Okay, welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's Meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public sessions. To comply with the governor's proclamation declaring a state of emergency in Maryland to minimize the person-to-person -person spread of COVID-19, we suggest that citizens stay home and watch our county commissioners meeting live on our QAC website at www.qac.org live or on QAC TV's television channel, Atlantic Broadband Channel Number 7. To maintain social distancing, seating will be limited to accommodate those guidelines. We are screening all meeting participants prior to entering the building. If you have any respiratory symptoms such as fever, cough, and or shortness of breath, please refrain from attending the meeting and notify a health care provider. We acknowledge your participation and by attending you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. The scheduled agenda is available on the information table just outside of our meeting room. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you care to speak, you must sign the sheet on the information table outside. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. Citizens may also join the live Zoom meeting by going to the link provided on the agenda or they may email comments to public comment at qac.org and those comments will be read uh, at the press and public comment period this evening. During the meeting we would ask that you turn all electronic devices off and hold personal conversations outside of our meeting room. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission Vice President Jack Wilson. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We could take and uh, have a moment of silence to pray for the end of COVID so we can return to some normal life. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. You want to remove your mask so we can... Okay, well, we had a, um, a closed session under Section 3-305-V1 uh, of the General Provisions Article to discuss personnel, and I believe we do have a number of motions to uh, backfill some vacant positions here. So, um, Commissioners, did you want to make those motions or get a motion to backfill? Uh, I'll make a motion to backfill the eight positions and two contractual. Second. We got a motion to second. Any further discussion? All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? 4-0. Motion passes. All right, One absent. All right, thank you. Which I will say, uh, unfortunately, Commissioner Moran was not able to make it tonight. He's feeling a little underweather, so we wish him well and a speedy recovery and speedy return. So. Feeling under the weather. Sick of me. Yeah. Yeah. minutes. Okay, so this move takes us to the approval of this evening's agenda. The agenda for today's meeting, August 25th, 2020, and the regular and closed session minutes from your August 11th meeting were distributed electronically for review. Were there any additions and or corrections? I don't think we have any uh, desk no, no items. Changes. So I think Take a motion to accept. Got a motion. Okay. Second. Got a motion to second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? 401 absent. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. And that brings us to our first uh, press and public comments section uh, on tonight's agenda. So I have a statement here I can read. I think we have a few folks that want to come in and testify. 
Thank you for taking the time to express your views to the county commissioners during this public comment period. Comments are limited to three minutes in length. Comments longer than three minutes should be submitted in writing. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone. State your name, address, and topic of interest. Keeping with the dignity of the office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. The commission respects your desire to and right to convey your message freely. We ask as a courtesy to the board and our citizens that you respect the commissioner's request and refrain from naming citizens and name-calling when offering any critique. So, uh, so we have two that signed up. We have Jason McDonald. Yeah, right there. Yep. Ready? Yep. Uh, thank you for allowing me and my son to be here to voice you your name, name and where you're Jason from. Jason McDonald. I'm a resident of Queen Anne's County, and I'm here to discuss the current high-risk sports ban on parks and rec fields. Uh, on June 5th, we entered Phase 2 in Maryland, which entered us into Stage 2, according to the Maryland Sports Commission, uh, Guidance for Return to Sports. In Stage 2, youth football was allowed to practice with helmets only. Um, on June 19th, we entered Late Phase 2, which put the Maryland Sports Commission guidance into Stage 3, which allowed us to practice with full gear and do inter-squad scrimmages. Uh, with the Upper Queen Anne Lions football program, we started full gear practice on July 12th. On August 14th, we received a notice from Parks and Rec that we were no longer allowed to participate in high-risk sports on Parks and Rec's field. We did not receive any reason why, just a, a flyer that stated the new rules for Parks and Rec that banned high-risk sports from occurring. Uh, my, my question is, to be submitted later, is why was the decision made to go against Maryland Sports Commission guidance? Uh, who, who authorized the decision? All we had was a, a flyer from Parks and Rec. And, and what, what metrics did they use to determine that all of a sudden after, you know, a month and a half, two months, youth football is now unsafe to be utilized and uh, participated in on Parks and Rec's field? Since then, we have moved to private fields. They did not shut down the organization. They solely said that we cannot participate in that sport on Parks and Rec's fields. So essentially they made it less safe because we don't have to abide by Parks and Rec guidelines. However, the UQA Lions has a robust COVID-19 plan that is in place. In 2018, there was legislation that was dismissed by the General Assembly to ban youth football for ages 14 and below on public land. Like I said, that legislation was dismissed. They proposed that we only use private land and no public space for youth football. It seems to me like there is an arbitrary decision by Parks and Rec or the local health officer. I am not sure who the decision was made by. Uh, there's been numerous emails forwarded to me on who made the decision. Nobody's taken responsibility. Uh, an arbitrary decision to enforce legislation that was already dismissed is now back in place. So, so it, it's just it bothers me that a decision was made with no, no facts to back it up. And if there are facts or data that supports dismissing high-risk sports solely from Parks and Rec's fields, I would love to see it. I would apologize for wasting your time if it is factual data that says it's unsafe to do it on Parks and Rec's fields. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, is it Ben Mathers? Matthews? Gentlemen, my name is Ben Matthews. Uh, this is my son, Jack Matthews. Uh, we're both residents of Queen Anne's County. We live right down on Bennett Point. 
Uh, I'm here to respectfully request you guys to reconsider your prohibition of tackle football um, on Queen Anne's County Parks and Rec fields. Um, there's four pillars that I attribute to my success standing in front of you today as a Queen Anne's County resident, and that is uh, clergy, that is my parents, that is uh, teachers, and that is coaches. And right now, due to COVID, through no one's fault other than COVID, uh, three of those major pillars that made me who I am today have been taken off the table to make kids like Jack and his teammates better citizens of this country. So I respectfully request that you reconsider this because we have 190, or I'm sorry, 170 families that have been affected, 170 families that have signed the required COVID-19 liability waivers uh, to allow their kids to participate. And not only have they voted with their signatures on those on those waivers, but they've also voted with their, their pocketbooks by paying $225 a kid to sign up and play because they know how important that is. And I think it's it's unfair that uh, that this decision was made uh, in the best interest of the residents when we were not even taken into accountability. We have 170 families that have made that decision. So again, I, I thank you for your time, and I respectfully request that you guys reconsider your decision. Thank you. Okay, that's all we had to sign up. Do we have anybody else out there? Oh, we have some more? Okay. Bruce, do you have anybody on? Oh, yeah, we have a couple emails. Okay. I'm sorry. We have one that was emailed. You want to do the email? Go ahead. Uh, This is from Tracy Johnston. Gentlemen, I am writing in support of the use of the Queens County Parks and Rec Fields by the UQA Football League. I am unable to attend the public comment hearing during the commissioner's meeting tonight due to attending the Faith Christian School back at school night. This is my six-year-old son's first year playing football, and we chose the UQA football organization since they are a premier league in the area that offered skilled instruction and focus on the safety of the children. An example of this is their practice of teaching all the kids heads up for concussion prevention. My question to each of you is, why now are you restricting the league from using the QAC fields? What changed last week that required an immediate cease and desist for the use of their fields? To my knowledge, there has not been any drastic change in COVID positive numbers for QAC or the state of Maryland. This league has been using the fields for over a month now, and there has not been any reported spike in anyone from this group of kids or families testing positive for COVID. The entire country is in a mental health crisis right now due to the effects of COVID quarantines and additional stress on individuals. Allowing the children to resume their football practices could be the little bit of positive that someone needs to make it through another day. I'm asking that you reconsider your decision and that you allow the UQA football organization to resume using the QAC fields while continuing to practice their safety standards. Thank you. Then we also had two emails uh, about the Wheatlands project. Do you want me to read those now or after the project? All of them. Okay. Yeah. No problem. They can be done at the hearing as well. There's a hearing at six o'clock. If you want to do them during the hearing, we can do that too. What's if, that? If it's about, we can do them during the hearing. Okay. Yeah. Is there anybody else out there, Marjorie? No. We're good. That's it. Okay. Seeing nobody else, we'll close press and public comment. Um, I appreciate uh, the, the the two speakers tonight, and and I appreciate all the emails and phone calls I've received um, concerning the uh, youth football and uh, the commissioners we've discussed and. We are going to revisit it as the county and take a look at, and see what we can do and um, meet any guidelines that come down from the state level. But we uh, certainly feel for all the, the parents and the kids, and, and we want to see them get back on the field and play. And hopefully uh, I understand some of the logistics of it is that they, uh, we're kind of dependent on what Anne Arundel County does. So uh, we're, we are going to reach out and find out 
if they have any update on where they're going to be with this so that we can make a, a good decision for everybody. So, again, I appreciate all the comments and, and outreach from the parents, um, and we will work on it. So, Okay. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. If you want to turn to uh, tab number three, we can go through the uh, new business action items we have for this evening. We have, um, I think, 16 of them. So uh, tab number three, item one on page one is um, the uh, inequitable sharing agreement and certification for the Queen Anne's County Sheriff's Office. And this is an annual certification report that reports confiscated funds that uh, must be filed each year. We didn't receive any this year, so but it still has to be filed for future years. So can I get a motion on that, please? I move to have uh, James uh, J. Moran, Commission President, initial beside his name on page five of the equitable sharing agreement and certification for the Queen Anne's County Sheriff's Office. Second. Got a motion. We got a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? 401. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item two is a similar agreement, and this one's for the Queen Anne's County Drug Task Force. Equitable sharing agreement for federal confiscated funds and uh, no federal funds uh, for them either this year. So can I get a motion there, please? Move to have James J. Moran, Commission President, initial beside its name on page five of the equitable sharing agreement and certification by the Queen Anne's County Drug Task Force. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Absent. 401. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number three on page 13 is a, a Travel and Tourism Advisory Committee Resolution number 20-28. And this is a proposed resolution to create the Travel and Tourism Advisory Committee. And their work product will help guide the county's long-term tourism strategy and provide valuable insight in current industry trends and marketing efforts. So this will be a new committee that will work with the hospitality and businesses and other stakeholders, including parks, the Chamber of Commerce, Kenton Harris Foundation, and our towns to establish uh, this uh, guidance. Uh, I motion that we approve the resolution to establish the Queen Anne's County Travel and Tourism Advisory Committee, affectionately known as TTAC. Second. Okay, got a motion and a second. If anybody has any questions, I know Heather's here somewhere. If anybody wants, um, is there any? I know Heather's working we very hard on this, and uh, this is one of her. Uh, She's in the building. Goals. She just went a lot of stairs. So she she um, texted me. So if we have any questions, we can bring her up. We, um, we talked about this at the Kent Narrows Development Foundation meeting a little bit. I touched on it with um, Heather's help, and, and she brought in some more detail about it. And, and the Kent Narrows Development Foundation uh, felt like it was a great idea and, and would support it. Yeah, and I, actually sitting as EDC liaison, it's one thing we've talked about. And like Chris has been on several meetings where we've talked about it. It's just it's very hard to focus uh, a lot of the economic development stuff when tourism really is its own animal here in the county to, to a, a lot of extents. And we don't necessarily have all the tourism s sectors uh, represented on EDC. So I think this is going to be of benefit to the EDC as well as to um, a lot of our hospitality and tourism-related industries. So I think it's going to be a good thing for the county all in all. Should so. we read the resolution? or? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, whereas the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County are interested in creating a public-private partnership with the travel and tourism stakeholders representing their specific industries to provide countywide leadership 
uh, in policy development, management, and comprehend, uh, competitiveness to ensure that Queen Anne's County enjoys greater economic benefits from travel and tourism spending. Now, if therefore it be resolved by the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, Maryland, on this day, September of 2020, as follows. There shall be a Queen Anne's County Travel and Tourism Advisory Committee for the purpose of advising County Commissioners, Economic Development Commission, and the Department of Economic and Tourism Development. The committee shall consist of a minimum of seven members appointed by the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, and there should be a minimum of one member to represent each of the components of the travel industry as outlined in the committee organizational documents. The initial membership appointed by the county commissioner members shall each serve a three-year term or until their successor is appointed. All members of the commission shall serve as a pleasure, shall serve at the pleasure of the county commissioners. The committee may adopt rules and procedures governing its operation. The committee shall designate one member as chairperson and the members may elect such other officers and establish such committees and subcommittees as they deem appropriate. The committee shall meet on such schedule as they deem appropriate, no less than four times per year. As a witness at the hands of the seal of the county commissioners, Queen Anne's County, Maryland, uh, the day year above. Okay. So we have a motion and a second to sign resolution 2028, creating our travel and tourism advisory committee. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? All right. Motion carries 401. All right. All right, thank you, Commissioners. That's good news, and uh, I'm sure uh, Mr. Nelly will be pleased that that's <laughs> been adopted. So, All right, our next item, item number four, uh, on page 13, excuse me, item four on page 15, and this is a follow-up item from our last meeting. It's the Queen Anne's County Core Service Agency Letter of Agreement with Midshore Behavioral Health. Um, we had that presentation from Catherine Dilley. Uh, from Mitchell Behavioral Health last meeting, and this was the letter that uh, was, was missing in, was missing in the presentation. It was missing so, at the last meeting. Right. I think we made a motion last time, but let's let's just go ahead and do it again, and yeah. that way we'll be okay. official. Get a motion to. I move to sign the core service agency letter of agreement for FY21. Second. Got a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed. Motion carries. 401. Thank you, Commissioners. Item 5 on page 15 is the Queen Anne's County Library Certification for State Aid for Fiscal 21. And this is a, another annual report that we have to submit uh, to the state that uh, demonstrates that we've um, matched the uh, state aid library money. Uh, so we easily matched that. Uh, this year we got $205,604 from state aid. And we matched that with uh, nearly nearly $2 million. So we're in good shape there. So I think we're... I think we got that one covered. All right, can we get a motion? My motion, we approve and sign certif certification for cooperative local state library aid programs fiscal 21 form. Second. We got a motion, we got a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 401. All right, thank you, Commissioners. Item 6 on page 21 is the um, mutual aid agreement among Queen Anne's County and the City of Annapolis with our Department of Emergency Services and uh, their medical services mutual aid. So this is a, um, an update of an agreement that I believe is, dates back to the 1980s. So uh, can I get a motion on that? Uh, I move to approve the mutual aid agreement among Queen Anne's County. Um, Queen Anne's County, Queen Anne's County Fire and EMS Commission, and the City of Annapolis. Second. 
Got a motion, we got a second. Discussion. So Scott, how did we get here? How did we get here? So we're currently in the process of upgrading all of our mutual aid agreements between all of our surrounding jurisdictions and us. Uh, to date, most of our mutual aid agreements date back to 1981 or 82. Uh, and there's a lot of old language in them and we're basically upgrading them to the current language. Pat Thompson has reviewed this mutual aid agreement and has authorized us, if you approve this one, to use this as a template for our rest of our jurisdictions. And we'll probably have about three or four more of these that come to you after this meeting. So, so, this is the so first what is the difference between this and, say, a mutual aid agreement that Churchill Volunteer Fire Service has with, say, Chestertown? Is, so, it, is this something you guys, it's a collaborative effort? or? So Churchill Volunteer Fire Department does not have a mutual aid agreement with Chestertown. So what we have is a mutual aid agreement with Kent County, Queen Anne's uh, County. Okay, Kent, Kent County. County. Very right. similar to this mutual aid agreement. Okay. Basically, okay. what these mutual aid agreements say is we'll provide service to you when you ask us to come. And if we ask you to come, we'll, you will provide service to us. As far as getting into the weeds and how the service is provided, that's done through policy and procedures, and it's up to the local jurisdiction that you're responding to to follow their procedures and policies. Okay. So, yeah, because, I mean, obviously that's been a discussion the last two FEC meetings about the crossing the first two lines and that kind of thing about yes. equipment and things like that. So, I mean, where are we on that? I mean, again, you know, I... I it got a bit contentious at the last meeting because I don't think everybody really had the answer for it. And I mean, I still kind of questioning that in my head is, you know, if the Anne Arundel comes here to give us mutual aid or Annapolis comes here mm -hmm. and we require X, Y, and Z, but they come here and they don't have X, Y, and Z, we're obviously not going to tell them, well, you can't come over here and help us. You got to go back. So I guess, how does that all get worked out eventually? So, so basically what we need to do, this agreement is just, basically putting the liability on the home jurisdiction that's asking for the mutual aid. Okay. It's basically what this agreement's doing. And it's basically allowing us to do automatic dispatch of mutual aid between jurisdictions. So the conversations that you've been involved with are more on the policy line. Okay. So what the FEC needs to do is decide exactly what policy they want their responding jurisdictions to provide to us. And then it's up to us to police when they come into our jurisdiction if they're following those policies and procedures or not. It's up to their own jurisdiction to make sure we're following their procedures okay. and policies. Okay. Have, have we got these in place with Kent, Caroline, everybody around us? We, we have a mutual aid agreement with every bordering jurisdiction uh, to our county. The problem is most of them date back to 1982 and 81. Gotcha. So they're in dire need of being updated. Uh, are you seeing any changes to the wording in these? Or is just you're just saying, okay, we agreed to be there for you and vice versa, and let's sign these documents in the year 2020? Well, the, the biggest change in these is back when they were created, there was not an EMS division in Queen Anne's County. So technically, the EMS response is not covered in most of the mutual aid agreements. The fire response is, but most of the EMS is not. So as we update these, it, it's more encompassing of our whole public safety response, not just one isolated segment of it. Okay. Another thing is this doesn't specify enforcement like it's Sheriff. up to the home jurisdiction to enforce their, again, policies and procedures. Sheriff's Department. 
Sheriff's Department is not included in these. That's this is strictly fire, EMS, and should, rescue. Should it be? Typically, law enforcement has their own separate mutual mutual agreements, yeah. separate agreements yeah. with right. their own agencies or their counterparts in other jurisdictions. Which I believe we have with some, I think, MBTA and some other agencies, we have those in place. Yeah, the sheriff's working on updating those as well. Right. And I think it is. I think it overhauls at all levels. I mean, again, even you just <clears throat> talk about no EMS back in Queen Anne's County in 81 when you sign it. I mean, look at the equipment just from the volunteer side that they're using now versus 1981. I mean, the jaws of life and all the kind of stuff they have on there now didn't exist back then. And whether right. you have it, whether you don't have it, how to use it, make sure you're using it properly. I mean, I, it's good that we're kind of revisiting all these and kind of bringing them into uh, the new age where we're at. So, The good news for us is we've got excellent partners. Every one of our jurisdictions that border us is an excellent partner, and they and provide we, us. And we, we actually have some volunteers over here that actually career in, in Annapolis. Yes. So there's already those great lines of communication anyway. Yes. Very good. All right. So we have a motion and a second to approve the mutual aid <clears throat> agreement among Queen Anne's County, Queen Anne's County Fire and EMS Commission, and the City of Annapolis. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 401. All right. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Our next item is item number seven on page 27. It is a net pulse <coughs> essential and security cybersecurity Monitoring, which is a contract with Mission Critical to provide implementation of Net Pulse Essential and secure cybersecurity monitoring through an emergency numbers board grant. So uh, we like these kind of grants. Um, they come right directly to us. So uh, can I get a motion on that? I move to piggyback off the Houston Galveston Area Council buyback program and authorize the director of the Department of Emergency Services to execute a contract with Mission Critical Partners to provide implementation of net pulse essential and secure cyber monitoring through an emergency number systems board grant totaling $245,455.67. Second. All right. We got a motion and we got a second. Um, any discussion? So how do we come about this? That's a pretty healthy so, grant. So I brought my partner in crime and the main reason I brought <laughs> Jim with me is Jim is the one who spends most of his time getting these grants for us. And Jim has been very successful over the years and has brought millions of dollars into our 911 center on grants. Uh, the next two projects are two examples of two projects Jim has focused on and was successful in getting a grant for Queen Anne's County. Uh, this grant covers cybersecurity, which uh, is a mandate uh, up and coming with next gen 911 that we have to have, it's a state mandate. Uh, the numbers board is paying for this 100%. This contract is a, actually a five-year contract that's paid for for all five years up front. Uh, what's nice about the numbers board grant is they pay it direct. So once you approve this, we can submit the invoice directly to the numbers board and they pay it. Excellent. Nice. Excellent. <clears throat> all right. So now, you wrote the, you wrote the grant? No, no. Um, this all falls on a call's hand law. So all I have to do is apply for find a vendor and then apply for the grant oh, okay. and they, they cover it. He's okay. missing the part that he has to attend several meetings okay. and gets beaten up at the several meetings on why we need to spend this money. Uh, he does a little more than just, just apply. Don't be modest. All right. Any further discussion? We good? All right. So uh, we have a motion and a second uh, from 
Commissioner Corcorino, I'm not rereading that one. So all in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Ayes have it. 401. Okay, All Commissioners, right. thank you now very you much. Another one. We have another one, another numbers board grant. This is for a Verint logging recorder sold by Motorola Solutions to upgrade our current system. So can I get a motion on that one, please? I move to approve the Motorola Solutions to upgrade the Verint lodging, or, uh, logging recorder to the current software and hardware standards through the emergency number system board grant totaling $37,659 and some odd cents. Second. Got a motion and a second. Any discussion on this one? So that's about almost 300000 That's outstanding. Outstanding. All right. No further discussion. All in favor uh, to approve the Motorola Solutions upgrade for the variant logging recorder. Signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Motion carries 401. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen, Todd. for coming today. Yep. You want to go ahead and do the hearing now? We can, certainly, yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. Time is up. See they're, not, they're all out there. All right, we'll take a break there at item number nine, and we, we have a public hearing scheduled for six o'clock, and it is just two minutes after. So, uh, Mr. Thompson, you want to come up and officiate the hearing for us? This is for a comprehensive water and sewer plan hearing for the Wheatlands property. And we also have Alan Quimby, our Director of Public Works. Oh, my God. Oh, sign up. Here you go, Pat. And then we have Rick. He's got everything. That's what they were supposed to do. Mission accomplished. I guess he didn't do it. Do we have a Zoom hookup for... Yes. Yeah. Okay. We, we have, uh, Pat, we actually have a couple uh, um, comments on the Zoom already. Right. We just got some emails. Once the some people signed up. I yeah, knew some people on Zooming in. We're, we're exempt technically, but yeah. All right, Mr. Thompson. Ready? Yep. This uh, public hearing being held by the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County at 6 p.m. on Tuesday, August 25th, 2020, in the County Commissioners Meeting Room, located in the Liberty Building, 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville, Maryland. Copies of the proposed, these concerning the purpose of the hearing is to consider amending Queen Anne's County Comprehensive Water and Sewage Plan. Copies of the proposed amendments have been available at the Office of the County Commissioners and electronically by sending a request to Alan Quimby at qac.org. Testimony can be accomplished in person or remotely via email, live video, and uh, audio. Speakers will be limited to three minutes each. Written testimony of any length may be submitted on or before the hearing date to the county commissioners. All hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities. Sign language interpreters and assistive listening systems are available. Uh, speakers will be limited to three minutes each. Uh, written testimony of any length may be submitted uh, to the Director of Public Work 312 Safety Drive, Central Maryland. For the record, the proceeding will be a certificate of publication indicating that notice of the hearing was published in the Bay Times and Record Observer uh, for two consecutive weeks prior to tonight's hearing. Uh, the applicant of uh, the first hear hearing relates to Wheatlands. 
This property owned by the Woodman Family Limited Partnership is predominantly vacant agricultural lands which reside within the incorporated limits of the town of Queenstown. It is shown on tax map 59A as parcel 36 and 141 is approximately 79 acres in size combined and is zoned planned regional commercial. The proposal is to allow for the construction of a mixed-use development with phase one consisting of 202 residential units and approximately 50,000 square feet of highway and neighborhood-related businesses. The property currently holds the sewer and water service designation of S3W3. The amendment requests to upgrade the sewer and water service designation to S2W2, which equates to immediate service. Flows from the use are anticipated to be approximately 66,750 gallons per day. Sewer and water service would be provided via the Town of Queenstown sewer and water system. Mr. Stevens, I think, represents the applicant. Yes. Thank you, Commissioners. Joseph Stevens. I represent Waterman Family Limited Partnership, who is uh, the applicant for the amendment to the Master Water and Sewer Plan that's before you this evening. Um, the property's in the town of Queenstown. Uh, would it be all right if I pull this down for speaking from here? That's yeah, okay. Right. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, the property is in the town of Queenstown, within the municipal um, uh, boundaries of Queenstown. Uh, it is a request for a master water sewer plan amendment from the county commissioners because you all um, have the plans for the jurisdictions. But the jurisdiction is providing its own sewer and water. I believe the town attorney and a member of the planning commission is here to address you this evening. Um, in regards to what's proposed on the property, uh, the town is going through a review process for that. Um, they've already done concept plan, which you require in order to request an amendment to the master water and sewer plan. Uh, but following that, they'll go through a full master plan approval process and then go through site plan and subdivision. So there are uh, many steps where um, those interested can participate in the development review itself. This is merely to get upgraded from S3W3 designation, master water and sewer plan, to um, S2W2 under the county's master water and sewer plan. I'm going to give Mr. Thompson what uh, I've marked as exhibits. I haven't put label, you know, what number exhibit, Mr. Thompson. I figure you can do that depending on whether or not uh, what's already in the record has a number on it or not, meaning the application that we filed and so on. But I'm going to walk through them very quickly, and, and uh, it's really just for the record. I think it tells the whole story, paints the whole picture. Uh, in um, 1996, uh, the Watermans, as we, as we said to you earlier, placed a conservation easement on the 300 foot along the Y River. That cannot be developed. That's not part of the application. I provided Mr. Thompson a copy of the conservation easement um, that's recorded in the land records. In 2002, the county's comprehensive plan identified the property for mixed commercial, mixed use commercial. So it's been identified for annexation in the town in the county's comprehensive plan and mixed-use commercial since 2002. Actually, it went back to 97, but I couldn't find that plan because somebody rearranged my law library. So I'll leave it at that. Um, in 2010, the county's comprehensive plan once again identifies the Wheatland property for annexation, priority funding area, and as commercial and mixed-use development. The 2011 
master water and sewer plan, the county's yours, identifies this again as a S3W3 area, which means plan service from four to ten years, from, excuse me, yes, four to ten years, identifying it to get service between 2014 and 2020. So here we are in 2020. This, is, this request by us and the town is perfectly consistent with what, with what um, your own plan indicates. The property was annexed in 2014 into the town. I've provided you a copy of the detailed annexation agreement, which provides that the developer is responsible for all the costs of running sewer and water um, and, that, uh, and a number of other things, like uh, fiscal impact studies and things of that nature, with the town. This is an annexation agreement between the Waterman Family Limited Partnership and the town of Queenstown. It was signed and it's recorded in the land records back in 2014. In 2016, the state of Maryland Department of Planning identified this property for, as, a, as a priority funding area, and they mapped it priority funding, i.e. that it, it, it is identified and designated by the state of Maryland as a growth area and to be serviced by utilities, public utilities. In 2017, after an extensive process including three public hearings, the Chesapeake Bay Critical Area Commission redesignated the 70 acres, not the conservation area, but the 70 acres of land area uh, from a resource conservation area to intensely developed area to allow this development consistent with the town's comprehensive plans um, and ordinances. In 2019, the town of Queenstown, through their commissioners and the planning commission, amended their comprehensive plan to make clear that mixed use did include some residential. So that was always in their plan, but they revised that, made it clearer in 2019. I've provided you that resolution. I've provided you a copy of the concept plan, which was also attached to the application, which indicates that in um, 2020, um, the, um, uh, the Waterman Family Limited Partnership went through concept plan review. Uh, and received favorable recommendation from the Planning Commission, favorable approval, which I have included. This, this approval also includes a statement that the plan is consistent with the town's comprehensive plan. Um, and finally, I provided you a copy of a letter from um, uh, the law firm of Booth, Cropper, and Mariner, who represents the town, writing on behalf of the town commissioners, um, requesting the amendment, um, consenting to the amendment, indicating that they have capacity and that the property would be serviced in accordance with the annexation agreement, which I also provided you. I do provide one final piece of paper, and I'll end on this note, and that is, this is right out of your master water and sewer plan amendment. It's for municipalities and what's required to get an amendment, and one is um, a signed letter from the town planner or the town's equivalent stating the amendment is consistent with the town's comp plan. We gave you that in the form of a resolution. A signed letter from the town that sewer and water capacity is available has been reserved for the project, provided you that and a signed letter from the town requesting that the project be amended into the county's master water and sewer plan. We've provided you all three of those. So on that note, I, I think that what I'd really just like to reiterate is the town has, like you do, an extensive planning and zoning process for any development approvals. This property has already gone through. I'm just going to take a guess and say 10 to 15 hearings on the various matters, and it's got to go through many more at the town level before it gets approved for development. This is not a development approval we're asking for, but a utility area designation. Thank you. Thank you.
All right, Joe. The various documents will be introduced as exhibits one through 14 and made part of the record. And I'd ask that the application we filed as well as the Thompson. The application is part of the record, Thank correct. Um, first person I have signed up is Kate Howard. Step right up to the microphone. Up to the mic. Hello. Um, thanks for letting me speak. My name is Kate Howard. I'm a local veterinarian and um, business owner in Queen Anne's County. I live in Hickory Ridge, and um, I received a notice as an adjacent property owner. Um, so I'm here to express my concerns um, about the wildlife and water quality at the headwaters of the Y River. It's... Um, it's a beautiful area. There's a lot of wildlife, bald eagles, hawks, lots of wading birds. And it's where all the fish come to spawn from all over the river and the bay. And I'm afraid that a complex of this size with all the impermeable surface is going to cause runoff and debris and chemicals and cleaners. And it's going to affect water quality. Um, and affect the the wildlife and the fishing and the you know the quality of life um, for people who live around the Y River. Um, and then my my second big concern is traffic. Um, those of us who live in Hickory Ridge know that to get in and out of that neighborhood is is a is a chore, um, especially on the weekends. We're practically trapped in our neighborhood. Um, to make a left-hand turn onto 50, um, even to make a right-hand turn, um, and to add however many people are going to live in 200-plus residential communities to that traffic volume right there between the 30150 split and our little sportsman's neck road um, is, is going to be impossible for us to get in and out of our neighborhood. Um, and... You know, if they take it out on 50, I don't know where they're taking it out. Or if they take it out on Main Street, the, you know, the little merge ramp to, from Main Street onto 50 is, is ridiculously short. It's, you know, and then you've got people coming around this curve. So, you know, I think traffic is also a huge concern for a development of the size right where you're talking about putting it. Um, and that's really all I have to say. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Marie McNola. Nerla. Could you state your name again? Yes. Yeah. Hi, my name is Marie McNerlin. I live in Hickory Ridge on 213 Walnut Drive. Um, I'm here because I do oppose. Um, I'm concerned with making this amendment, what it's going to open up as far as development goes. Number one, as my neighbor just mentioned, the traffic is horrendous. There was a fatal accident two years ago. I'm sure everyone's aware of Jacob Sloan. It was the other side of 50. But that area with traffic, when I come out and have to make that left and my children are in the car, I mean, I'm white knuckling it. So to have 240 additional residents, people driving down 50 on top of beat traffic, we just don't have the traffic capacity. I remember years ago, Maureen Waterman's promised me an overpass. Oh, if we ever develop, I'll build you an overpass. I'd um, like to see that happen. So right now, with the current state of the traffic, it's, it's a major concern for me. Number two is the schools, right? What's going to happen? 240 additional re residents. We have Slippery Hill. We have more students. Do our schools have the capacity? Are there, is there going to be enough room? Number three, the environment. As my neighbor mentioned, I would invite 
any one of you to come down and go kayaking down the Y River, that area. It is absolutely beautiful. It is, there's eagles, there's wildlife. The thing I struggle with is there's so much area in our county to develop a property of this magnitude. Why does it have to be on this property? Are we doing what's better for the Waterman family or what's better for our community? And I challenge you to that. Think about your children and the environment. What would you want for them? Look at all of the, and you talk about commercial. Look at all the empty commercial spaces. And it's not just the pandemic. It was pre-pandemic. There are so many empty buildings. And if you want to talk about jobs, that's usually the next one that comes up. People are not traveling to D.C. or Baltimore for retail jobs. They're traveling for professional. If you want to really increase the job market in this area, you have to look at industries, technology. When I look at this you know, mixed use of residential, I, I just see it, it's exploding more and more, and it's not really giving us any benefits. And then last but not least, it doesn't make sense where the property is today and downtown Queenstown. You have to go over 50 and 301. Even if they wanted to get a slice of pizza in downtown Queenstown, they would have to go out, go right, make a left on Greenspring, cross over 301, make another left. It's just not intuitive. It doesn't flow. I'm not against growth. I'm definitely for growth, but it should be smart growth. So I oppose this, and that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Bob Weeks. I, I originally put down that I wasn't going to say anything, but uh, I'll go ahead and take a few minutes to uh, express my concerns as well. I also live in Hickory Ridge. I've lived there for eight years. Uh, I commute every day across the bridge, and I work across the bridge, and if I could have it my way, I wouldn't do that. Um, I originally moved over here when I was uh, 15 years old, um, originally from Fort Washington area, uh, and my family's been here ever since. So uh, I really am concerned about the wildlife. We have beautiful eagles, blue herons, turtles, you name whatever kind of fish that's in that river, um, crabs, all kinds of, you know, things that you just don't get anywhere else. And Maryland is a beautiful place, and there is a lot of room for development and growth. Um, I would suggest that if you want to do something like this, mixed use, knock down one of the shopping centers that isn't being used on Kent Island or somewhere in the nearby facility. Redevelop that. Don't take away the estuaries and the wetlands, the places for the deer to roam and for people to hunt. Geese, migratory birds, they're all back there. Um, I, I'm in agreement with everybody that lives in my neighborhood. I'm sure that nobody wants to see uh, development that's not necessary. And I think that um, for the most part, you know, I'm not for not sharing what we have here. I think that, that Queen Anne's County has already probably overdeveloped Kent Island to the point where it's kind of like living across the bridge. You know, you've lost that hometown touch that we used to have here. And the more you keep progressing, I agree with the traffic pattern issue. That's a terrible, terrible area to introduce. Let's say if there's only two or three people living in those 200-plus residential communities, that's still 600 people that have to cross that road, 600 people that could be involved in a car accident. Um, it just doesn't make any sense to me either. So, and that's pretty much all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Matthew Reno. 
Great. Good evening, Commissioners. My name is Matthew Reno. I live at 6740 Main Street in downtown Queenstown. Um, I'm a 19-year Queenstown and Queen Anne's County resident. I'm currently serving my third year on a five-year term on the Queenstown Planning Commission and currently serving as Vice Chairman. I'm here to support Queenstown and the uh, water and sewer request for upgrade um, as it pertains to the Wheatlands property. Um, that is located within the incorporated town limits. For over two decades now, Queenstown and the property owner have been discussing necessary future development options for the site. However, until a time in which enough water and sewer capacity um, was available, the development could not, discussions could not take place. Queenstown has, has now annexed the property and has, has now has enough means of providing water and sewer to the site, therefore development discussions have resumed. On July 1, 2020, the Queenstown Planning Commission adopted Resolution 2104, granting concept approval plan to the concept master plan development for Wheatland submitted by the Waterman Family uh, Limited Partnership. So this development concept um, is, is, has been mentioned before, is consistent with the county comprehensive plan it is also consistent with the Queenstown Comprehensive Plan. Specifically with regards to the development um, concept, the concept provides for various residential styles, sizes, and price points that are not currently available in the area, providing opportunities for retirees to downsize and to still stay within their community. Also, it will provide additional housing opportunities for millennials who don't want yards. They want small, little lots um, to buy small, moderate homes and to live close to the Chesapeake Bay. The concept promotes an inclusive, welcoming, friendly, and energetic sense of community that Queenstown is proud of. And this development encourages multi-generational homeownership in one location. We want to see older families, younger families, new families with kids all in one community, and that's what this development is going to do for Queenstown. The concept provides for a well-thought-out, walkable, and environmentally attractive design. The, the, the stormwater management concepts now are best management practices. In most cases, stormwater management is filtered better than it has been in, in, in years, and the water virtually will not even leave that property to touch the Y River. It'll be filtered before it gets in. The concept provides for needed highway services as well as additional commercial growth opportunities to benefit Queenstown and Queen Anne's County residents as well as travelers through the area. The development will provide the town of Queenstown with an increased tax base in which to share major infrastructure that our town is currently facing. We need these, this development to be able to fund some of these expenditures. Thank you for the time and thank you for serving Queen Anne's County. Pat Radcliffe. Hi, I'm a resident of um, Hickory Bridge. I live right there on the Y, right across from the Wheatlands. When I first met Barry Waterman, he told me it would never be developed in my lifetime. So I always tell him, shoot me now, Um, because over the years, there have been various plans for them to develop that property. I highly believe in personal property rights. That family has the right to develop that land. That family has always been very inclusive. For year, I have worked for them for 35 years, and for years they have given me the information 
about the Wheatlands. I sold a house over on Carriage Lane there in about two, three years ago, and it was before he had switched to the housing. We were not required as a real estate office, I, it was my listing, to give any information on the Wheatlands, yet very wrote a letter telling the young couple that was buying that house what was proposed at that point in time. You will never deal with a better person than Barry and, God rest his soul, his dad, to work with you. As for the traffic, I'm right with you. I had two kids learn to drive and cross that highway. But Barry has that in his wheelhouse already. He's working on that. He doesn't want to just say, oh, well, screw you. Um, sorry for the language. Um, but he will work with Hickory Ridge. And from my knowledge, he has made the board of Hickory Ridge aware of what's been going on. Um, I don't go in the office as much since this pandemic. So, you know, I haven't been saying, hey, what's going on? What's going on? But they are very good people, willing to work with anybody. And I'd rather have some houses and a little bit of commercial than I would have a junkyard over there. And they have the right to develop it. If they don't get this, who knows what they're going to do. So we have to look at the lesser of evils, the residents of Hickory Ridge. I'm not saying this because I work for that company. I'm self-employed. I can work anywhere. I'm saying this because I believe they have personal property rights. He has talked to me about what they're planning to do, and I think it's a pretty good concept. And he's got that buffer there. And I'm right across from that buffer. So, um, you know, I am not concerned at all. When Farmer's Market was at the outlets many, many moons ago, from my house in the winter, you could hear the loudspeaker saying, bus number 21, we're leaving. So that, I think, is going to give us more of a buffer from the noise from the road. And I'm sure he'll work on it in such a way that it's set up that the noise is buffered. Thank, Thank you. you. That, that's everyone who signed up. Yeah, we have three emails. Right, from L. Bassett, a miles, miles wide riverkeeper. Thank you for the opportunity to comment on tonight's meeting. I'm not sure if you're accepting comments on tonight's presentations, but if so, I would like to request an extension to submitting comments on the Comprehensive Water and Sewage Plan public hearing for Wheatlands. Considering the presentation will be likely to discuss new details to the public and commissioners, citizens will need extra time to consider any new information presented prior to submitting their comments. Thank you for the opportunity. I look forward to watching live. Uh, next is from John Wesolowski from 289 Hickory Ridge Drive. Commissioners, please vote against any changes to water or sewer in Queens County regarding any development of the Wheatlands parcels. We need to see environmental impact issues before proceeding to develop any land. Then our last one this evening on this subject is from Laurel Clark. Hello, my name is Laurel Clark. I live in Hickory Ridge neighborhood on Sportsman Neck Road. I'm opposed to the above for many reasons. This will drive down many property values. Number two, the developer is one who gains from this. Queens County will have to provide the cost of the infrastructure for the development. Schools will have to be provided. Number three, the traffic will increase astronomically, which our county cannot bear. Route 50 can't handle the amount of cars and accidents already. 
Last Thursday and Friday was unbelievable in the backups. Route 18 can't stand more cars on it either. Number four, the Y River will be severely affected in a negative way. It is already considered fragile. The fish, birds, and wildlife will be driven out or die. Number five, Queens County can't afford to provide any services already during this economic nightmare. Number six, are the commissioners for the residents who live here now or for future constituents? Number seven, we do not want this county to be a bedroom community or turn into an area like Glen Burnie. Sincerely, Laurel Clark. And that concludes our public comment on email. We, uh, we have Lindsay Ryan. Uh, she has a presenter. My name is Barry okay. Worman, and uh, this hearing is not about approving or not approving the project that we proposed. I would like to comment on, on a couple things. Um, apparently, there remains a lot of misinformation out there, even though this process has been going on for decades, specifically in regard to traffic. Any developer we included, are required to file traffic studies to prove that our development is not going to overburden the road. No development anywhere in Queen Anne's County is going to solve beach traffic. That's, that's just a fact. But this particular development is the only hope that the people in Hickory Ridge realistically have of improving their situation. We have offered to the State Highway as much land as they want down on the buffer on the east end of our property should they ever want to build a service road to connect through our property so that people in Hickory Ridge can safely get through our property and over to uh, westbound 50 without having to cross 50. Uh, there's no chance that happens without this development moving forward. Uh, the State Highway District Office has, after a long a long period of negotiating with them, decided that they uh, agree that a fully functional traffic light may be appropriate at our entrance to Route 50. Part of that discussion is um, moving the entrance from Route 18 and 50 now, which is right on the curve and pretty dangerous, to our entrance onto Route 50. Lacking that, we have a right-on and right-only access on 50 and an access onto Route 18. So traffic circulation would come to our property from eastbound 50 and go back on 18. And obviously, if we get a fully functional traffic light, um, then we could come and go either direction. Uh, one of the reasons that the district office has mentioned this is an appropriate thing and have requested us to do a warrant study um, is so that there would be a traffic break for the people in Hickory Ridge who can't safely get out much of the time. Uh, the second thing is the environment. I wish that all of you would come to the Queenstown meetings that, that took place before uh, or at least familiarize yourself with the proposal that we had because what we're proposing is far better than, than a farm. I was the farmer on the property. I'm not anymore, but I did farm that right up to the edge of the, of the bank. We planted corn and soybeans, and we spread fertilizer. Uh, two years ago, we took the 300-foot buffer out of production and planted trees there to try to get a head start on the visual buffer that will be between our development pad and Hickory Ridge. That 300-foot buffer can't have anything done with it that serves the community. So there's not going to be stormwater ponds or anything. It's going to be a wooded buffer. Um, while there may be a walking trail, that's all that can happen on that. So we've taken a farm that was tilled right to the edge of the creek, and we've taken 300 feet of that out of production and planted trees on that so that we now have far better wildlife um, habitat than was there before. Uh, under the critical area regulations, we're required to improve stormwater. Uh, it has to, we have to improve the nutrient content of stormwater by 10% or we can't move forward. So the argument that we're going to destroy the environment is just not accurate. And, and I really wish you all would take a look at the plan before making comments. 
Uh, and the last thing, I just have to set the record say, there is zero chance in this world that my father ever promised anyone that he would build them an overpass. The overpass was a non-starter from 1996 forward. It was $50 million then. It's probably $100 million now. No chance. Thank you. Any further public comment? Uh, we do have someone for Zoom. Okay. okay. We have uh, Lindsay Ryan. One second, Lindsay. I want to make sure that we can hear you in the room. Go ahead. Thank, Thank you. you. Good evening. Lindsay Ryan on behalf of the Queenstown Commissioners. Sorry I couldn't be there this evening. I came down with a little bit of a cold, and I thought in an abundance of caution I'd rather just do it on Zoom. Um, to reiterate what the applicant stated, the Waterman property has been part of the town's comprehensive plan as a mixed commercial residential location since 1998. Um, to address some of the concerns that were just raised, all of those things will be done during the master plan, master plan development. The applicant will be required to have a traffic study, non-tidal wetlands delineation, habitat protection studies, and anything else that the town may require. Um, I think it's important to understand that we're not at that phase yet, but the town will certainly. There's also an annexation agreement that will regulate the development. Um, will eventually be a DRRA. And through that, there'll be public hearings with the Planning Commission and the Queenstown Commissioners. Anyone is welcome to come to any of those meetings to address those concerns. Um, Mr. Waterman has been very open throughout the entire process with the town and the commissioners, and they've discussed this concept plan for many months, even maybe an entire year. And the commissioners and the Planning Commission both feel that it is the most positive development um, and they fully support the concept plan, and they request that you approve this application. And I'm here if you have any questions. Thank you. The other, the other public comment went by here. All right, Commissioner, you want to move on to the second amendment? That's it. The Second Amendment, proposed amendment to the 2011 Comprehensive Water and Sewage Plan, it relates to the Stephenville Water Treatment Plan to add the following sentence of Section 3.329, a backup well into the Lower Patapsco Aquifer comparable to the existing well is planned to be constructed on this site by 2023. Alan, you have any? Yeah, Commissioner, that's, that was a county-sponsored amendment. It's a more of a housekeeping issue. MDE required something wordage in the water and sewer plan before they would uh, issue the construction permit. So it's, aside from that, there's not much to say. Any public comment with respect to that amendment? Hearing none. Yeah. We'll close the hearing. All right, I'm going to leave the public record open for yes, two weeks. two weeks. For decision? Okay. Thank you, Commissioner. Thank you. This is the original topic. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Thompson, Mr. Quimby. Good to see you again. All right, next we'll continue with our presentations, if, if that's okay. Yeah, let's just do a presentation. Right. We'll finish up the action at the end. We have another hearing. This is with... Uh, uh, Ms. Donna Landis-Smith, our soil conservation land preservation specialist, and uh, we have an agricultural preservation easement 
public hearing on a number of properties. So I'll turn it over to Donna. Good. Hi. Good evening, Commissioners. Good evening. I am here for a public hearing for new easement applications through the Maryland Ag Land Preservation Foundation. What tab are we on? Presentations. Um, six. Sorry. Six. Six? Thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's tab number six. Excuse me. Tab six, um, page one. May continue. Okay. I had a notice of hearing published in um, the Record of Reserver Bay Times for July the 24th, 2020, and the week of July 31st, 2020. Notice of hearing pursuant to the Agricultural Article Section 2-504, sequence annotated code of Maryland, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County will hold a public hearing August 25th, 2020 at 6.15 p.m. in their office at 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville, Maryland. The hearing is held to receive public comments on the establishment of agricultural preservation easement-only applications on the land owned by the following petitioners. Dave and Jessica Denny, Roosburg Road, Centerville, Maryland, 21617, 6th Election District, Tax Map 54, Parcel 1, for 225.663 acres. Kenneth and Janet Hibbs, Suttlersville Cemetery Road in Millington, 7th Election District, Tax Map 7, Parcel 19, for 175 acres. Stephen, <clears throat> excuse me, Stephen Catherine McGlashan, 4-H Park Road, Centerville, 3rd Election District, Tax Map 44, Parcel 16, 136.987 acres. Alex and Janice Moore, Barkley Road, Barkley, Maryland, 21607. 1st Election District, Tax Map 24, Parcel 31, 108.89 acres. John and Granville Moore, Peters Corner Road, Sellersville, 1st Election District, Tax Map 7, Parcel 2, 218.78 acres. John and William Wood, Casper Lane, Price, 2nd Election District, Tax Map 30, Parcel 4, 160 acres. The Queen Anne's County Agricultural Preservation Advisory Board has given favorable recommendation to the county commissioners in the submission of the agricultural preservation easement applications. Direct any comments or questions regarding agricultural preservation to Donna Landis Smith at the Queen Anne's County Soil Conservation Office, 211 East Water Street, Centerville, Maryland, 21617-443-988-4178. All hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities, sign language interpreters, and assistive living, assisted listening systems will be available for individuals with hearing impairments. Please contact Tina Miles at 410-758-4406 or TDD 410-758-2126 seven days before the hearing date if the above needed for the meet is needed for the meeting. Queen Anne's County Board of Commissioners, Margie Hack, clerk to the commissioners, and it was advertised on the two said dates. Any questions? Nope. None here. No question. But we've done this quite a few times before, so. These particular parcels, the only addition that I have is these six properties have never applied before. That's why we have a public hearing. The remaining five applicants have been advertised in prior years. They just were not funded. So these are brand new applicants. Okay. So we're not taking any public comment at this time, right? Yes. We are? Usually you have a public comment. We have nobody on Zoom, correct? Okay. No. Well, seeing no public comment, we'll close the hearing. Thank you. Thank can, you. Can you approve them? 
You want to make a motion to send yeah, this yeah. one? There is okay. a motion. Yes. Yeah. I move to approve. I move to approve the above six mouth easement applications be submitted to mouth board of trustees for approval and submission uh, for appraisal. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? None. Motion carries, 401. She, she didn't want to have to come back and see us again, I think. <laughs> oh, I'll be back. Vote. <laughs> when I come and ask for money, I'll be back Next again. time she's going to want a checkbook. <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> Sign here. Uh, thank you, Donna. Thank you so much. Hey, Todd, do you want to go ahead and bring Parkinson and Rex guys have been out there a good while. You want to bring them in next? Do some Let's, uh, we have one more presentation, and that's uh, from, from the Board of Elections and John. Okay, do all right, that's fine. Okay. Then we'll, we'll hold Jonathan off because he can yeah. stay. All right, so I know Christine's been out there patiently awaiting. Yeah. We have Christina Jones, our director from the uh, Board of Elections, to give us a quick update on the upcoming election. Quite the topic. Yes, it you is. All right. I haven't heard anything about it. Huh? <laughs> Hello. So vote early and often, right? Is that the, that the that's right? <laughs> to them, I don't think that's funny. <laughs> no, not so much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Christine. Good evening, ladies. Hello. Um, so we've come today. We we got the election that's coming up, the presidential general. Uh, one of our biggest hurdles that we're going through right now is election judges. Uh, for the election judges that we normally have currently. Uh, our percentages have gone down for how many have signed up to actually train to work with us. Um, we've had 70% of the interested judges say that, you know, they're considering possibly still working with us for this general. Of that, only 45% have actually signed up for a training class, which actually start next month. Um, the state has requested that we ask our county to see if there was any way uh, that we could get any assistance from you guys in whether some sort of incentive for county workers or administrative leave in the same sense that the governor has offered to state employees. Uh, we feel that that might help a little bit uh, ease our pain with the amount of judges that we need. We're still about 50 judges short for signing up. How many short? About 55 judges. Well, I would like to sign up as one. So you're 49 now. How's that? 49, okay. Forty-eight. So you're forty-eight. Where do people go to sign up? Yeah, uh, they can sign up on our website. It's www.qacelections.com. Uh, if you go onto our website, there's a link that goes right to a Google form that is sent directly to us. As soon as they sign up, now what they'll get is within a few days they'll get the submission information on how to sign up for a training class. Okay. And so if you sign up, so people know what's this commitment that they have to do as far as how much time do they have to dedicate the training and then on election day is it the entire time the polls are open Correct. or other shifts? So the training classes are normally about three hours. Uh, due to the current pandemic what we're going to do is do partial of that online training. Uh, the rest of it we will do on hands-on because it is a requirement by law to do hands-on training with the equipment uh, for that three hours. Uh, then for election day, our polls open at 7. Our election judges are usually there about an hour ahead of time, and they'll have to continue working until after polls close at 8 p.m. that evening. Uh, that's for election day. If they choose to and they want to volunteer to work early voting, they'll get paid for each day of early voting that they work, and the hours will be the same for that as well. So it's 7 or 8? Seven. 7. days? Or no, 8 days, but from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Oh, okay, eight, 8 days though, okay. So I've worked as an election judge before, um, and it's, I don't know, 
Maybe I'm weird. I think it's kind of a fun experience. It is. So I, I would encourage people to sign up. I mean, this is one of the most important things you can do as a citizen is be informed and vote. And citizens can't do that if we don't have people to be elect, election judges. So this is really important that we maintain the ability to vote in person, and we need judges to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So and do um, you have to be a re- real quick? Do you have to be a resident of Queen Anne's County? No, not Queen Anne's County. You just have to be a registered Maryland voter. Registered Maryland. Okay. So so do you? Ha- um, do you have, uh, are you speculating as to why the numbers are down? I mean, do, do people feel like mail-in voting is uh, an option? And, and so, so for the why election, are the numbers down, I guess? So the, the numbers for the election judges, we actually sent out a poll to all of the ones that had already initially signed up for the general election. Uh, we sent out the information asking them, uh, would you be interested in considering still working for the us during the general election, would you do early voting, and would you come in and be trained? Uh, we also gave options on what your reasons or comments on why you wouldn't. Uh, the number one is because of the COVID pandemic. A lot of people are very scared. Uh, they don't want to risk their health because majority of our vote, our, our judges are those yeah, that are in the high-risk categories. Yeah, if you take a look at the age demographic of most of the judges, just in my experience in going and voting over all these years, is most of the time they're retirees that you know that want to help out so that makes sense. And what are some of the safety precautions that are going to be in place? I'm assuming there's a plan. Correct. So if you're so working as an election judge. So if you're working as an election judge, we are working on making sure that we can provide our election judges with the proper PPE that they need, as well as any other type of devices that we can find and use for our polling places. Um, I don't know if you guys came into our one vote center that we had during the primary. We set it up. We had sneeze screens is what we call them, which is the plexiglass screens that were placed in front of our poll book judges. Um, we had election judges that were designated as our cleaners that would go through, and after each person would vote at a voting booth, they'd wipe everything down to make sure that anything that was touched or um, breathed on and in some sense was wiped down or cleaned. Uh, but for our election judges, we've got some PPE that we're going to provide to them, um, but we're trying to figure out the, the best way to ensure their safety as well as the voters with social distancing as well. That's been another key factor. So are you finding that you're going to need more personnel probably with the precautions and the wiping down and all than you would normally, right? I mean, Correct. So you're actually, that, that even exasperates your issue a little bit as far as getting people. Gotcha. So I think we're going to do what I think probably we should get a press release out and really push this thing for the next month so we can try and fill up the slots. Is it, how are the other counties doing? I mean, just out of curiosity, are they having the same problems? For the most part, they're having the same problems. There's only been one or two counties that have said that they believe they're okay, but nobody has said, we're fine. And for those, it's smaller counties that they don't have as many polling places. So. The dates of the, the, the training for, for um, election judges... Um, that's obviously all posted on your website. Well, the dates for the election judge training is not posted on our website. After you sign up to be the election judge and we send you the information for okay. the training, that's when you'll get it. Okay. Uh, but What's the deadline is, to sign up? There is no deadline to sign up. The, the training starts September 17th. We have it allocated for about a week to do the training classes three times a day. Uh, if we need to add classes because of social distancing, because we have a minimum amount or a maximum amount of people we can have into our building at a time to conduct the training for safety precautions. So you just, sept- I'm sorry, September 17th. T- tough time hearing with the map. I know, it's very difficult. September 17th? 17th? Yes. Okay. But the deadline is this Thursday, right? 
No, no there's no deadline. No, oh, no deadline. No okay. deadline. Okay. So even if we've conducted most of our trainings and people still want to sign up, that's fine. We'll figure out ways that we can get okay. them trained and get them in there. And yes. your 50 short, how many are you total? I mean, how many people is it total that's going to take to pull this off? So we're looking at about 130. That will give us a substantial amount on a wait list because if something does happen during early voting and there's an election judge that gets sick, unfortunately everyone they're exposed to, which would be the entire early voting site uh, worth of judges, uh, we would lose about 15 to 20 judges. So that would give us a good backup. And how many polling? I know they added polling places throughout the state. We're not adding any, right? We're going to have the same number? or No. So we're going to have two early voting sites. Okay for the eight days of early voting. And then for election day, we'll have a total of four vote centers. Wow, so it's cut back then, basically. Okay. <laughs> All right. We can definitely help get the word out on the judges and the need for that so we can get a press release out and get that, get that recruitment uh, message out there in the public. So we'll be happy to help out with that. Good. Thank you. We appreciate the help. Certainly. Have you guys done something QSC TV yet? Or? <laughs> I've just been writing all this okay. down so we could. No, we've been, <laughs> I have a feeling you'll be getting a call from Bruce very soon. We've been talking about it. I've had some discussion with some of them. And, and, you, and you will have a choice as to who you want to come in and, and, and <clears throat> be the talent. It doesn't necessarily have to be Bruce. You can choose, <laughs> you can yeah, choose somebody else to do the interview process. You're in. <laughs> He's already thought of his costume over there. I can see the <laughs> wheels are turning. <laughs> Uh, well, ladies, thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you. the update. Thank you. We'll, we'll push for volunteers for you. Thank you. And at our next meeting, can you, you don't have to be here, but let Todd know where you are so we can yep. keep, keep your mind keep public of this is how many judges we now have and, and, and keep that message fresh. Certainly. Thank you. Great. Okay. All right. Thank you both. Thank you. Um, back to action. We're going to hold him out and go back to action now. It's up to you. We can go with John or we can get back to action or Parks and Rex boys go home or what? No, he's <laughs> out there. Let's bring that back. You kidding? Right. We can go back to our He wants a lot of new equipment. He's here. Okay, we can get back to uh, tab number three. We left off with item number nine. We have a few things for the uh, Parks and Recreation Department. So so that would be uh, tab number three, item nine, page twenty nine, Department of Park and Rec Parks and Recreation. Equipment procurement. Uh, the first one up is um, uh, two Ford 250 uh, regular cab trucks from Apple Ford on government contract and two Woods model um, turf back wing, bat wing mowers from Hoover Equipment on um, their government contract. So I get a motion on that to get started. I move to authorize the Department of Parks and Recreations to purchase two Ford F-150s from Apple Ford, $53,400, and two Batwing mowers from Hoover, Inc., Middletown, Delaware, $34,032. The total amount of funding request is $87,432. Funding to come from the Department of Parks and Recreations FY21 capital equipment budget. Second. Got a motion. We got a second. Discussion. So what year are the trucks we're replacing? Well, we are, we actually have a list of every vehicle. The ones in red are all things that we have lost since last year's budget cycle. Um, we have a 94 F-250, okay. a 96. Can you guys share that with us? Get, get the margins so you can yeah. share that with us. Yep, I can share You've always asked for that. Everything is from the 90s other than 1-2001. Okay. 
Então, do you have so th that list can tell me again? I'm sorry, Mike. That list so consists this list, of this first block is vehicles that are currently 20 years or older that okay. are in service. Mm -hmm. The ones in red have been removed by the mechanic for safety failures. Okay. This one is 10 to 19 years, and then this one is stuff that's under 10 years old. Okay. Could you could you also include, if you don't mind, that that list, and then also uh, including these purchases, what we've authorized you to purchase um, last year and this year. So for so 20 and 21. Purchase last year is on here. The they're all there. Okay. Yep. The four 2019. They're on there. Thank you. Perfect. All right, we've got a motion and a second to authorize the Department of Parks and Rec to purchase two F-150s from Apple Ford and two Batwing mowers from Hoover Incorporated Middletown. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? 401. Motion carries. Next. Commissioners, item number 10 on page 34 is a request to purchase two Realmaster mowers from Turf's Equipment and Supply Company in Jessup, Maryland. Get a motion on that. I move to authorize Department of Parks and Recreation to purchase Toro Realmaster 3555D from Turf Equipment and Supply Company located in Jessup, Maryland, the amount of 49225 Funding in the amount of 34000 will come from Department of Parks and Rec Board of Education Tournament Field Maintenance Account 40657. Balance and the cost of additional mower in the total amount of 64,451.86 will come from the fiscal year 21 cap budget. Second. Motion. Got a second? Any discussion? Um, it, it says here in the description that um, the equipment purchase will utilize the Board of Education tournament field maintenance account. What is that? So like when we have Hogan's lacrosse. So like during Hogan's lacrosse. Any, any games that are played on Board of Ed property? So any games played on Board of Ed property during a tournament that we have, mm -hmm. that funds that they collect for those tournament games go into an account, which then we can, Board of Ed and us agreed that we can use to help buy maintenance equipment to keep the fields in better condition. Okay. So so then, um, so what is a Toro Real Master 355D? Is it like a tractor or it's a mower? It's a rideable mower. It's okay. a five-gang reel mower okay. for cutting Bermuda. So How wide is it? Uh, they're 93, I think, yeah. inches wide cut. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. So I got a motion in a second to purchase the Toro Reelmaster 355D, uh, utilizing the Park and Rec and Board of Education Tournament Field Maintenance account and balance from the FY21 capital budgets. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? None. Passes 401. Thank you. Next. All right, one more we have. Uh, this is item number 11 on page 38, and this is a bid award for four John Deere diesel mowers from Atlantic Tractor in Queen Anne, Maryland. I move to authorize the Department of Parks and Recreation to purchase four John Deere diesel mowers from Atlantic Tractor in Queen Anne, Maryland, in the amount of 47979 52 Funding will come from the Department of Parks and Rec's FY21 capital budget. Um, th this second. One. There we go. All right. We had a second? Discussion. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, so the, can you tell me what the, what these, uh, is this like a zero, zero, zero radius? Turns. Zero turns. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
And most of these purchases are systemic replacements, more or less, right? Under yeah. the standard 10-year plan or whatever. Is that what you got? You guys operating under more or less a 10-year plan, okay. too? or We try to. We have some zero turns that are probably closer to 15 years old that we need to... If I got an old one, it still works. It actually works better than my new one, so... <laughs> some of them have more than 5,000 hours on them. Yeah. Well, but just maintenance. So, I mean, what is your target time? Is it age or hours right now? I mean, um, with diesels, we try to go at least 10 years okay. with the diesel mower because uh-huh. right? they'll average about 4,000 hours in 10 years use. Um, gasoline, once if you can get 2,000 hours out of a gasoline air cool, we're lucky. And these four will these four will actually replace four that you're putting out of service? We have some that we're going to put as like a backup to replace some of the other ones. So if we go down, that way we don't have people just standing around with no equipment to run. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I am so strongly in favor of keeping these front cuts up to date because when they get old, they start breaking down a lot. People sit around. I mean, they're expensive to keep up. And this, we really need to keep our equipment up in this this regard. Okay. All right. Just going to get a motion to and a second to purchase the four John Deere diesel mowers from Atlantic Tractor and Queen Anne's. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Motion carries. Four to one. All right, thank you, commissioners. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mike, for coming out today. All right, continuing on, commissioners, we have item number 12 on page 42. This is an easement for the Cantoneros Hotel Hotel project, and this is a, another easement they need to construct and maintain a stormwater drainage facility underneath two sections of Cantoneros Way South, some culverts. Can I get a motion? I move to execute the easement to Kentner's Development LLC to allow for stormwater drainage facilities to be constructed and maintained at the developer's cost underneath of the Kentner's Way South. Second. Okay, we've got a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all in favor of the motion, signify saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries 401. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, item 13 on page 51 is a uh, road name request from uh, Matthew Dreyer to... Uh, Name his private lane Dryer Lane. I did not see that coming. In the uh, uh, down in Queen Anne Colony, so this is a uh, to avoid some ambiguities in addressing. So, can I get a motion on that? I move to approve the private road name request for a lot and subdivision of Queen Anne's Colony, Colony off of Five Farms Drive to be named Dryer Lane. Second. Okay, got a motion and a second. Any discussion? So um, when we traditionally do this, obviously um, DES is brought on board to make sure as far as, you know, 911 dispatch responses to this address, it's mapped and everybody's aware of it. Um, and then also there's a process with the postal. Yes. I say postal service to recognize that. There is. It's, it's vetted through our Department of Planning and Zoning, the permit office, and she, uh, I think Vivian Swinson does that. Or, no, excuse me, Johnny Shelton does that. And they vet it with DES, the Postal Service, to make sure there's no uh, duplications or confusions on, on okay. new addressing that would uh, I, I just ask be because, I, yes. I mean, you know, you get things like this and, and people like, oh, I want to, you know, name a street after me. And, and, and they need to know that, that there's a process and it has to be justified. That's right. Okay. okay. Thank you. Motion and second to approve the private road name request for a lot in the subdivision of Queen Anne County off of Five Farms Drive to be named Dryer Lane. All in favor of the motion? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 401. All right, thank you, Commissioners. Item 14 on page 58 is a petition to terminate a public easement in the Gibsons Grant community for the community pier and their waterfront park area. And the community is requesting um, 
uh, to terminate this public easement that is in place. So the next step for this would be to forward it to the Planning Commission for their review and recommendation back to, uh, to this board. I move to convey this petition to terminate the public easement on the community pier and waterfront park area in the Gibson's Grant subdivision to the Planning Commission for review and recommendation. Second. I have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none. All in favor of the motion signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries 401. All right. Thank all right. you, commissioners. Item 15 on page 83 is a request from the Board of Education to transfer funds for the originally for the challenge day to um, uh, SEL training. Uh, that's social and emotional learning training because they couldn't do the challenge day because of the COVID uh, crisis, so pandemic. So they had a grant of $2,400 for that. What was it? $2,400. I, I move to allow donated funds for challenge day to go towards SEL training. Second. Get a motion in a second. I think this kind of falls in the same vein based on what challenge day was. So Yeah. All I, I think the training is, is actually for the, the teachers, I believe, and then they... But it's still an emotional thing. That's what I say. The challenge day kind of right. On that. So, so, but I mean, again, I think it's a very good use. You know, if you can't get to all the students like challenge day did, then right. what you do is you train the teachers that can actually work with the kids, and that's what this, this and, program and these will are, do. These are donated funds. I'm assuming that they, the funds when they were donated, they could be used for a different purpose. That would. Well, this this grant was uh, for for the challenge yeah. day. So yeah, that's our. Oh, it's our. Yeah, this right. one we did. Yeah, yeah that's yep. one we did. Yeah. Okay. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all in favor of the motion signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. 401. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. And our last item, item 16 on page 84, is Budget Amendment CC9. And this is to recognize grant revenue uh, for POS funding that we received for that little piece of property in Churchill right. that we purchased um, for the town. Move to approve Budget Amendment CC9. Second. Second. We've got a motion and a second. All in favor of Budget Amendment CC9? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. 401. Now Jonathan gets to come on. Right, Commissioners, that's all the action items. Excuse me. Could we do legislation? Vivian is sitting out there oh, waiting. We can do that? Yep. Let's do that. You're on deck again, Jonathan. <laughs> all right, Commissioner. Come on, Vivian. If you want to turn to, uh, and we may not even need Vivian, but we uh, she is here tonight. Uh, turn to tab number seven. We have um, a few things here. Uh, first is um, this was a, a repeat. This is a development impact fee ordinance. We have an amendment to that ordinance, and then the um, the ordinance itself that we can vote on that. So there were some amendments that we we've discussed at our previous session to that. So do you have any, any motion? We'll get started on that, and then Vivian can explain that. Yeah, I guess, go ahead. What was the amendment? Is it How, how did it wind up being uh, when, when it was all said and done? It's basically for the fee itself, correct? The fee itself was taken from the balance and not from the original Original fee. amount. Okay, yes. great. So can we get a motion to adopt the amendment? No, we need to introduce it first. Oh, it's not, okay, you're right. It's not okay, introduce it yet, and then we can. All right, well, I'll introduce it. Amendment one. Thank you, Phil. All right. Now, now, need to now, adopt it. now on a motion to adopt Amendment 1. I'll move to adopt Amendment 1. Second. Okay. All in favor of adopting Amendment 1? Aye. 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 401. Okay. Now, 
County Ordinance 2003 as amended, someone must make a motion. 2003? That was the amendment to 2003. Right, okay. So now we need a motion to adopt it as amended. So moved. Okay. Can we get a second? Second. Okay. We have a motion and a second to adopt County Ordinance 2003 as amended. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? 401. Motion carries. Good on that. Okay. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, next, we have the um, County Ordinance 20 11, and this is updates to the Building Code of Queen Anne's County, and that's to be introduced. Can I get an introduction on that one? I'll introduce that as well. All right. That should be it. That's all we got, right? Mr. Dumanel, and then we have scheduled for two weeks. The hearing is the last Tuesday in September. For 2004, right? Yeah. And we had one more, and this would be the uh, citizen sponsored text amendment. So we needed a motion to schedule a public hearing on that. And that's going to be scheduled at your last meeting in September. Both will be scheduled last Tuesday. This was a citizen-sponsored text amendment for William Reed uh, accessory dwelling unit provision in the RCA. Okay. And it went to the crit critical area commission. It right. came back, and now we're we're holding our public hearing. Okay. I'll introduce it. That's it. That's it. Right. Yep. I just want to say real quick to Vivian and Miss Mordock for your your efforts to clarify um, the previous ordinance regarding impact fees and the time you spent with myself and, and of course with Commissioner Jack Wilson. So again, I know I thanked you, but I'll do it on TV. Thank, thank you, you very much. For and and thank you for hanging out so long. Huh? Thank you for hanging out so long. Thank you, Vivian. You're welcome. Thank you, Vivian. Now I'm going to the bathroom. Thank you, Vivian, for coming. Yep. Ready to go? Continue? Take a break? You want to continue on? or Phil's going to be back. He's just going to be back. Okay. I mean, Jonathan's, he's, I mean, this is it, right? We're here for the feature. We're saving Jonathan for the feature Bottom of the night, two outs, yeah. bases loaded, yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh, Jonathan, come on up for your financial update. Make a couple of them and take a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let him get all set up, then we'll take a break. table while we're the presentation is in the book as well um, item number that's on page 27 tab 6 since we're having some technical difficulties here we can follow it there if you like
can go get started with it if you want, Jonathan. Okay. You just have to talk oh, yeah. us through it like the old times. What's that? I said you have to talk us through it like the old times. Right. That's right. Well, yeah, you can follow along in your book, page okay. 27. So you're all, you're good. You can see what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, this was the um, intended to be financial status update for FY20, that the, the year that ended June 30th. So we wanted to look at what the results were. Um, now, I would say... You know, it's after June 30th, but really the final results don't really get done until more like October, and then we finish our comprehensive annual financial report, not really until December. So I'm giving you some numbers. They're not final numbers, so they'll probably change a little bit. But um, so looking at the updated revenue, this is slide two. Um, so just to indicate that Things changed in FY20 from where I think we, those of us who look at revenues in general, going back to the beginning of the pandemic and going back to March, and the comptroller, for instance, projected a deficit of $2.8 billion and then reduced it very significantly down to only $0.9 million. So um, that was kind of along the lines of our experience as well. We do look at, we've talked about this a little bit before, but it is mostly what we're talking about is income tax. Real, real quick, Jonathan, on that, on the revenue, uh, updated revenue. So they've obviously um, taken it way back from where they were, doom and gloom originally, but is there still that feeling that we're going to have a bit of a hangover going in? They still have, they haven't given an actual. For, um, uh, number for FY21, but they are showing sort of, they have two scenarios, so there's sort of a medium case and then a worst case, but they're still looking at FY21 and FY22 is pretty significantly impacted far more than FY20 is what the state's looking at. Um we have, you know, we talked a little bit about, I mean, some sense of, okay, well, what's going to really happen to our income tax um, numbers based on what kind of employment we have. So there is significant government and construction industry, um, which has lower unemployment, but also there are a large number of jobs in accommodations and food services, as well as retail trade. So... We've kind of got a mix. We'll have to see, you know, how things turn out in in FY21. I'll show you a little later the unemployment numbers that we have. But we have said that we thought there was less loss of income than we expected. And that was in part because of the unemployment payments, the $600 that people were getting in addition to the state unemployment that they were getting, the Paycheck Protection Plan, and then um, some sense that at least initially after, you know, um, after March, employers did keep some employees on their payroll. So the thing about the income tax is uh, we came out pretty well in the income tax. This is saying that we did lose 5% 
during the period from April through June uh, was 5% below what it was a year ago. But we were so far ahead. I mean, the income tax that we'd gotten going back to the beginning of FY20, you know, in July of a year ago, up until the pandemic, was way ahead of, of budget. So this is why even though we did lose some in that quarter, um, we still came out ahead. Uh, and we're still showing a potential loss of five to six million uh, below FY20 for FY21. I haven't really changed the FY21 estimate at this point. So as I've said, we want to continue updating the revenue estimates, and then in November we'll get the first real income tax distribution, which will be basically for July, August, and September. And at that point, that's really the biggest distribution of the year, and then we'll have a better sense of where we'll be going forward for FY21. Um, so the revenue forecast is on the next slide, slide three. So we have a um, sort of two versions of revised estimates. There was one in May. Well, if you go back to the budget, the budget was $145 million. Then there was an estimated that we did during the budget, which was, uh, and we thought, well, we'd come out a little ahead, which is fairly normal, at 147. But then after the pandemic, we revised it down. This is the first yellow column. So May FY20, that's when we thought we would be at 143 million. And at that point, we thought we would, you know, be below budget and need to use some revenue stabilization money. But now what we're saying is come August, we think it's really more like 148. And so it's really about $3 million above budget is what we're projecting at this point. And you can see, I mean, if you look at the numbers, I mean, the main thing to look at is just the income tax. That's the one that, you know, is the, um, the most volatile number there. And so we obviously came in well ahead of where we estimated and well ahead of the budget as well. So then that leads you to slide four, which is comparing the revenues versus expenditures. So we're saying that if you look at the last column, the FY20 estimated actual, um, we're close to $5 million surplus based on, and that's based on $3 million revenue above budget and $2 million about below um, on the expenditure side. So we saved money in our spending, which is pretty usual. I mean, $2 million in savings over, you know, is a couple, is actually less than 2%, but, you know, over a budget of $143 million. Saved money, usually based on, you know, vacancies um, and just general savings. I mean, in some cases, we budget sort of probably at the high end for things like in the detention center, which usually we end up saving a little more. Um, and so then the revenue came in $3 million above. So that's where you get the $5 million. And um, so that's what it looks like. Just look at, we have some data in the next few slides. The unemployment rate that we have is 6.9% for the county versus Maryland, 8.3% of the latest figures that we've had. And, you know, we have looked at... Um, 
on the property tax side and looking at uh, sales prices, uh, we've had pretty, you know, significant growth. The residential market seems to be doing pretty well. The commercial, not so well. But um, you can see the increases here for both Maryland and Queen Anne's County from 2019 to 2020. Um, so, you know, they're doing assessments now that will be for uh, Kent Island and um, that will show up next year. Um, but, um, you know, we have data, so like when we've seen the, um, we were just talking about the recordation tax, which we get, you know, monthly, and the recordation tax last month was the highest it's been since 2008. So there's something going on. I mean, the market is really, that recordation, I mean, that comes from, you know, either sales um, or, um, you know, it could come from, um, you know, people refinancings and things like that has made those both the recordation transfer numbers very high. I think you're seeing also, I think, a post-COVID exodus from the urban areas to the more rural areas, which were less affected by COVID. I mean, I right, right. That's a lot of it right there. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of activity. And um, this is a slide that we show is just the total accessible base, which you can see, um, I mean, the blue line, the commercial is pretty flat, but the residential, even looking at it from 20 to 21, you can't exactly tell from this, but it's pretty pretty good growth. I think it was about from 8.1 billion to 8.4 billion. Um, so um, that was kind of what resulted in our, you know, the constant yield number for this last year, which was about, which was higher than it had been the other few years because the assessments um, went up. And then if you look at the next slide, this is the last slide on slide eight. This shows you um, going back a long way, but this is what happens each. You know, remember the assessments come in, they're triennial. So this is not total assessment, but this is what happens each year. So you can go back to some of these really sort of astonishing numbers back in 2007 and 2008 when you had growth of, you know, 50, 56%. It, just for a third of the county at that time. And then, of course, you can see what happens during the recession, 2010, 11, and then starting back up in 12. And now, you know, fairly flat, but, I mean, it's some pretty decent levels. Um, Queen Anne's County was 3.6% in 2017, 3.8% in 2019, 6.9% would have been the growth just for the third of the county that was reassessed for this current year in tax bills. Which was which? Which was the north. So uh, so if we're looking at those numbers, eight, if we look at from, what's I guess that's 17 or, no, it's 18. I guess that's Ken Island. 8.6% so was Ken Island. Central and north, basically. Yeah, 3.8% was central, Centerville. Okay. 69 was the north. Gotcha. So that's what we have. Any questions for Jonathan? Questions? No. Thank you, John. Mm -hmm. Thank you, sir. Okay. Sir, question for you. Here yes, sir. From. What would your 
assumption for the next couple of years, if we were to lose, let me frame it this way, if we were to lose $5 million in both years on the income side, but that house prices were strong, that would be approximately an offset? Um, I wouldn't say it would be as high as five, but when we have good growth, maybe three million. So, you know, we probably pick that up. But again, if we have strong transfer and recordation, you can get a million growth out of that. Yeah. So between all that, you could probably get close to offsetting that loss of income. Yep. Thank you, sir. Okay. Have to clean up. All right, well, that concludes all of our presentations this evening and our legislation. So we can, uh, I don't think there's anybody here, but we do have uh, another press and public comments section. Did we get any more comments in? Do you have anybody on there? Just us. So I'm, don't even don't even bother reading it. We have okay. nobody out there to come. So and we can go to a round table if round you like. Fellow Mr. Wilson. I don't think I have anything to contribute this evening, gentlemen. Um, I didn't either. I mean, you know, you as a commissioner, you attend, you know, the board's commissions that you are the liaison on. I had attended the Kent Narrows Development Foundation meeting this morning. Uh, last weekend, I had an opportunity to uh, attend the groundbreaking ceremony for phase two of Wells Cove, Wells Cove Road um, and that development. Um, but uh, pretty quiet couple weeks. Uh, I just, I'm sure my Go ahead. fellow commissioner, I my time back to you. Chris Corkin, ready to, but we had a great, we had a, a presentation for folks that are joining us late uh, regarding the need for volunteers for um, election judges. And, and, you know, a lot of the things that we discuss here in the commissioner's meeting today and previous meetings, everything is important, but I, I can't tell you how important it is that we're going to have enough judges um, with the... Uh, need to keep clean and, and, and wearing masks and social distancing and bringing all those components into to the process of, of our citizens voting at the four voting locations that we're going to have here in the county. Anybody who wants to help out and be a judge, we sure could use you. And you reach out to the Queen Anne's County Board of Elections website, I believe, to do that. That's all I have. Thanks, sir. All right. Um, one thing, Todd, I want us to look into. I, I had some complaints with some people when we had this bridge traffic issue Thursday into Friday. Thursday into Friday. Um, that there were some people who felt like they didn't get notification from the county system about it until later in the day. And I have you know, advised people that they should sign up for the MDTA alerts as well. That's helped to get them quicker. But I think we need to look at when alerts are going out for MDTA on the bridge – if we can then make sure that we are getting that out through the county's different alert systems as well to help people. Um, just so I, I think some people will call off guard by it and didn't know. We said that they, they get the county alerts, but they don't get the MBTA. So if we can try to make sure. We, we will. In fact, um, I had a conversation with Secretary Slater about that. There was a little bit of a communication uh, miscue between MDTA and, and our folks, and really MDTA took control of that event. Right, it was there on Friday. Incident. It was there. It was their event. We weren't really involved at all. Um, there is an after-action meeting, I believe, tomorrow with uh, our folks. Uh, DES Scott Haas will be there. 
and MDTA, and we're going to rectify those uh, okay. those problems that we had on, on Thursday and Friday of this past week. All right. Going forward. And, and then the other thing, and we spoke about this briefly earlier today, is um, get together with, with Alan Quimby. There's uh, I've received a number of calls from people who live in Cloverfields from when the tropical storm came through and then the, the rainstorm after that with flooding, and the flooding in, in Cloverfields getting worse in some areas. Uh, so I know DPW is looking into finding out what are some of the causes of it, what can be done to address it, whether it's something the county can do it, whether it's stuff that homeowners need to do. Um, but I would like to see, once DPW is finished with that investigation, if we could set up a town hall so that the residents of Cloverfields, whether we do it virtually or you know something at sure. the school yeah. gymnasium, they can get some inf- more information on all the facts about it and, and realistically what what can be done, what cannot be done, and if it's state and federal assistance that we need, who they can also reach out to to make sure we're addressing those issues. And, and just to, to add to Commissioner Corcorino, um, and, and there are other additional communities, uh, Queens Landing, I know we received several, several calls from Queens Landing with their streets flooding, um, and of course they're going to uh, folks had concerns that you know this flooding was due to the Four Seasons project, um, and I think we need some sort of clarification um, with uh, clarification made for the residents of Queens Landing um, if, in fact, the, the flooding that took place in their community had something to do with Four Seasons. Uh, is, is that not the case? They're, they're just, there's some questions about how some of these yards got flooded and, and, um, and going out and visiting some of these residents, and, and they showed me pictures and described their yards and what they look like. And, and again, similar to Cloverfields and, and the flooding that took place. Um, so it's important that we get this information back to these folks that live in these various communities that did flood so they can understand how it happened and, and again, what we're going to do to try to alleviate that in the future. So yeah, yeah, I know Public Works is doing a number of investigations, and as another one that they're looking at uh, okay. right now as well. Perfect. So we'll get that back around. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it, people who live in Cloverfields, uh, I know there was some issues with the sewer. So just if you live in Cloverfields, check your drain, your uh, cleanouts of, of your sewer drain. If they're broken, water's going to enter into the sewer system. That's going to overload the system. So one of the things that you as a resident can do is, if that is damaged, let us know, and we can take care of that. If you have your sump pump connected to the sewer, don't do that. That's not yeah, <laughs> that, illegal. That's, that's not allowed. Um, disconnect it. We don't need you pumping stormwater into the sewer system. It's making it worse. Um, I know you don't want it in your yard, but you got to pump it back out to your yard. So please, everybody, there is something that homeowners can also do to help us out, in, in particular in Cloverfield. So check those things. Check your clean out. Make sure it's in good condition. Um, it, your ditches, for anybody, if you got leaves clogging up the drainage ditches, Clean that out. Um, these are all things everybody can do to kind of help along. Okay. Good. That's good. As much as I feel compelled sitting in this chair to talk about traffic or the bridge, I'm just going <laughs> <laughs> with that chair. I'm just going to skip it and take a motion for adjournment. <laughs> uh, I make a motion that we adjourn. Second. All right. All in favor? Aye. Aye.